Okay, I, I have a great title here for this message, and uh, I'll give you the title first, and then uh, we're just starting with the title, and then we'll go on from there. But the title is in Jeremiah chapter 12 and verses 5 and 6, and the title is, If Footmen Tire You, What Will Horses Do? Isn't that a great title? <laughs> Can I get an amen? All right. Okay. All right, so verses 5 and 6. So God is talking to Jeremiah and saying, you think you've got trouble now, just wait, don't get tired yet, okay? I'll give you the strength, we'll get through this. In verse 5, if thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, how canst thou, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, wherein thou trustest, thou wearied, they wearied thee, how, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? For even thy brethren, and the house of thy father, even they have dealt treacherously with thee, yea, they have called a multitude after thee, believe them not, though they speak fair words unto thee. So, it was, uh, I'll tell you what, let's, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, please uh, fill me now and use me, and, and I pray I would be help to anyone who's discouraged, or perhaps in the future they would remember this, and, and, uh, and buck up and trust in you and let you give them the strength. In Jesus' name, amen. It was never boring being in the John and Rice family. Um, in 1951, I became a supporting actor for a film that he made called Bringing in the Sheaves at age four. <laughs> and uh, my task was, uh, I didn't have, actually I don't think I had any lines, but, but my two sisters and I and my brother sang uh, Bringing in the Sheaves at one point in the film, 30 minute film. I actually have a copy of it in my, in my study, in my office. So if you really wanna watch it, I think, uh, uh, that uh, our Dean of Men and would, would approve. I think he'd allow it. It's in black and white. It's John R. Rice. How can you go wrong, right? <laughs> so, but uh, at one point, I was supposed to be sick at home from prayer meeting, and my mother was there with me, a little boy. I was supposed to sit under the piano and play with a rabbit, a stuffed rabbit. And while my mother played the piano, she was a very good pianist, taught piano, and mom played the piano, and I'm supposed to sitting, I'm, I'm sitting under there for about five minutes as mom played the piano, and playing with this rabbit. How, what do you do with a rabbit when you're four years old for five old minutes? You know, <laughs> flop, flop, okay. Pick up the ears. I mean, I did everything I could think of. Another point in, in the film, I was supposed to be, I'm still supposed to be sick at home and I'm supposed to take a spoonful of medicine for my cough. So I'm supposed to cough first. How do you cough when you're four years old? Huh? Cough, okay, let me figure this out. I had a hard time figuring it out. I remember this very clearly. So uh, then I was able to <coughs> cough, and, and my mother gave me a spoonful of actually vanilla extract as the medicine. <laughs> I don't remember feeling real good about that either, but uh, anyway, so I was a star. I mean, I was a supporting actor, and it was all about a, a woman that got saved, and so it had the plan of, gospel in it, plan of the gospel in it. If you want to see John Arise, how he would lead a soul to Christ, it's in this film. At the very end of the film, she gets saved. But anyway, um, so John Rice preached hard against Hollywood movies, but he wasn't against making films for the gospel's sake. And uh, 19, now jump ahead to 1966, okay? There was a genuine Hollywood B-movie uh, producer and director named Ron Ormond. And he made the most wretched films ever. I mean... The, they're, they're put in a category called exploitation films 
they're, they're really awful. He did actually make some cowboy movies in the 1940s with a cowboy star named Lash LaRue, okay? And none of you have ever heard that name before, right? And I've never watched any of his movies, don't intend to, but anyway, uh, he was an, just an awful, awful Hollywood director and producer. 1966, he's in a private plane and it crashes in a field. Scares him to death. He gets saved. Sometime within the next six or eight years, he runs across John R. Rice. And they get together, and they actually made a uh, film of the Holy Land together. At one point, John R. Rice would take a tour every year to the Holy Land, so they made a film of that. And, uh, but uh, Ron Ormond, uh, do not look him up. His, his, just, his films are just so awful. You might accidentally see one of the posters if you look him up on the internet, and, and, it, and you'll have to say, oh, how can I get that image out of my head? It's just so awful. But he got saved, and he still made awful movies, but they were, at least they were Christian, trying to get people saved. One of them was called The Burning Hell. Estes Perkle was the evangelist who preached in it. So he would preach, and then he would show images of the burning hell. And I remember being there in, out in the back of, out in the field of my grandfather's farm, and... Uh, they got a, uh, uh, Ron Orman got a whole bunch of old tires and put them in a gully, okay, and set them on fire. So you got this fire coming up from the old tires and lots and lots of smoke. And this was how he portrayed hell. And he would put someone down there going, oh, you know, it's in pain and everything. And he'd get the right angle and see the fires and everything. And, and actually, that came out pretty realistic. Well, the connection with our title is in one of his films, and I don't remember which one, one of his Christian films, he used this line, if, if the footmen tire you, what will the horses do? Okay. And the point is, in this particular film, the point he made is, the communists are taking over America. When the communists take over America, what will you do? And a lot of people thought in 1976, 200th anniversary of, of the American Republic, that the communists would take over that year. I, I was a senior in college at the time, and I didn't buy that. I thought, yeah, right, you know, come on. Uh, less than 1% communists in America, politically speaking, and, and everything. It didn't happen, just in case you didn't know, okay? 1976, the communists did not take over, okay? Uh, Jack Van Impey, an evangelist, also preached that same thing, scared my wife and her friends to death in college there. But anyway, he, he portrayed men and children, actually, he portrayed children being chased down by men on horses that were supposed to be communists, and they had on these, like, Russian-style hats and everything, and they're swinging swords and killing people and everything, and it was pretty scary, actually, you know. Uh, he knew how to make a movie enough so it looked kind of realistic. If the footmen tire you, what will the horses do? Now, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and we're going to apply it. Okay, I went to Jeremiah for that great title. Now we're going to apply it in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 10. And I heard a sermon on this many, many years ago, and the idea was never, ever quit. Do not ever quit. But I'm going to apply it differently than the sermon I heard. The sermon was great. It stuck in my mind, and it was helpful, but... I'm going to apply this a little bit differently. Uh, so, verses uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, perplexed, but not in despair. 
persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. This is poetic. Four parallel statements. Okay, the first one, um, troubled on every side yet not distressed. The second one, we are perplexed but not in despair. Third one, persecuted but not forsaken. Fourth one, cast down but not destroyed. You think you got problems? Think of the Apostle Paul and all he went through. And I, I just noticed sitting down there, I have a book in my pocket, um, The Latent Power of the Soul by Watchman Nee. And, and you know, I'm just thinking about Watchman Nee, I was just looking through it and I found this great statement that he made. Um, he said, um, first, after one is saved, he should seek for proper knowledge of the Bible. Second, he should desire to make progress in the spiritual life, such as victory, holiness, perfect love, and so forth. This is very, very important. Third, we should be fervent in winning souls. Fourth, we should trust in God with such singleness of faith that we may see God working miracles. And isn't that a great quote? My point, though, is Watchman Nee spent 20 years in a communist prison. Okay, can't get that in that pocket. 20 years in a communist prison. Then he died in prison. And you're worried about the Greek quiz tomorrow. Right? Or whatever class you're taking. If, if you get weary here at BCM, what will happen when you're out in ministry? And you run into persecution, you run into people that you have won to Christ, abandoning you. The things that can happen out in the ministry, the things, I mean, you've, you've run, some of you run into things like that here, even, you know, out in ministry, out winning souls of Christ, trying to disciple people. It's, if it were easy, everyone would do it, my uncle Bill Rice used to say. It's not, it's, sometimes it's not easy. Consider, though, times, four times when you might be discouraged that Paul gives here. First of all, in trouble, okay, verse 8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. In trouble, then follow Jesus out of trouble. Okay? Um, the word troubled here can mean pressed in, pressured, and on every side is en, en, uh, ponte in everything. So everything is putting me under pressure. I can't take it. I'm under so much pressure here. Really? Not really. You're not really under very much pressure compared to what you will come across later in life. All right, yet not distressed. And that's a word that's also used for crushing. Okay, I'm troubled. I've got so much pressure from all around in everything, but I'm not distressed. I'm not crushed. And remember, this is, if I remember, this is the same book where Paul goes through his list of, you know, how many times he'd been. Um, stoned how many, and left for dead, and, and he'd been per persecuted in other ways, how many times he had been, you know, all of these different things that he goes through, and we get worried about a little bit of uh, a crisis in America, a very small election in God's eyes. Very small. In God's eyes, the election we just had is very small because he's in control. You see? Don't, don't let the politics get you down. God's in control. Are you distressed? Oh, man, all over. And, and you can watch, you know, all of these, you know, videos on Fox News or whatever about by different commentators and, oh, it's so terrible. God's in control. 
It's going to be okay. We might even get to suffer persecution. Hmm. I said that deliberately. We might even get to uh, suffer persecution. Because Jesus said in in, uh, Matthew 5, verses 8 through 10, um, count it all joy. If people are persecuting you, rejoice, for great is your reward in heaven, so for, for so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. How am I? I'm, I might get persecuted. Hallelujah! Persecution is going to come because the government's going to be democratic. And boy, hallelujah! We get to be persecuted, possibly. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Secondly, perplexed, okay, troubled on every side yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, perplexed. I don't know what to do. And, I, and I've been where you are, of course, in college. Um, worked in a factory trying to put myself through college. There were times in, in that factory uh, especially one particular job that they had me do for a while. Uh, I would, it was extremely repetitious. Get this, and put it here, and then it push a pedal and it welds it, ka you know? I, you like my sound effects there, ka anyway. Press the pedal, ka and put it over. Oh, you gotta do it on four sides, ka-chung, 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 and then you put it back on the line, and then you get another, and you do that for eight hours. Oh, you do get a lunch break, half hour, all right? There were times when I would literally just stand there and, and, and weep. And then finally I got to be a welder. And that's a lot better. I did my last year there, I was a welder. And they taught me to MIG weld. And uh, uh, hot and sparks. One day I'm, I'm welding. I had these great big leather gloves and a big helmet on. And I'm welding. And, and a spark goes down inside the glove. And I pulled it off and slammed it down, jumping around like this. And then I look over, and the boss is looking out the window of his office, <laughs> laughing at me. <laughs> like you just did. I'm hurt. You just laughed at me. <laughs> I'm not hurt. Okay, because we are perplexed, but not in despair. We don't know what to do, but that's okay. How am I going to handle this? It's going to be okay. All right? Because Jesus is with you. I don't know what I do, but I'm not worried. I'm not in despair. And I, uh, you know, I just, out of, for fun, I looked up the Chinese Union version here. I can read a lot of Chinese characters because I know written Japanese, okay? You have to learn Chinese characters to learn Japanese. So there are a lot I don't know, so I can't read the, the uh, Chinese Bible very well. But I, just out of curiosity, I looked up, I looked up this verse in the Chinese Union version, and it has four Chinese characters. The first one is not, okay? The second one is come to. So I have not come to. The third one is loss. And the fourth one is hope. I have not come to the loss of hope. I'm not in despair. Despair is the loss of hope. Nothing good can possibly happen now. That's despair. It's all over. I'm done. I'm finished. That's despair. No hope. 
we have hope in Jesus Christ. Now abideth what? Faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. We have hope. Why? Because we have love. We have hope because God loves us. That's why we have hope. We always, always, always have hope. Never, ever come to the place where you abandon hope. All right? Perplexed, don't know what to do, but not in despair. And then the third one of Paul's situations is beaten down. He's beaten down. And, and it says there, uh, let me see, uh, persecuted, <clears throat> but not forsaken. So that can be translated as beaten down. I'm persecuted. Not, not, I don't think, I, I looked it up. I, if I remember correctly, this is not the normal word for persecution, but it's the idea of being beaten down. I'm just, uh, they just keep coming at me and everything they do just wears me down and I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, I'm just beaten down. If you are beaten down, rejoice in Jesus. Why? Because it says, because it's persecuted, but not forsaken. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I shared, uh, I shared, uh, I think last spring, uh, and but some of you freshmen uh, or someone else that may have been on tour or whatever, I shared last spring how God was with me in my surgery on Christmas Eve. My family has declared that we're not going to do this this Christmas Eve. <laughs> Uh, so uh, that, that week I was in pain and went to the hospital for three days, and they said, well, we think you'll be all right, and I'm sure the nurses wanted to have a good Christmas too, so they kicked me back out of the hospital and said, go home, you're all right for a while, we might have to have surgery eventually. Uh, and then, if I remember correctly, it was Friday of that week that I was hit with extreme pain, and so much it, it knocked me down. I couldn't even stand up. It was such extreme pain uh, in my stomach. And so... My wife took me to the hospital, to the emergency room, and they um, ad admitted me, and, and um, God was at work, okay? I was certainly not, I, I was beaten down, but certainly not abandoned, because there was a team, a surgical team, I had just finished and could take me on right there. Uh, who knows what would have happened? It, it, is, it was a condition that can kill you, um, and uh, I read about a man in France that had the same condition and he went to the hospital and they took him in but they had no one to operate and he was in that pain for eight hours. But God had someone right there for me. And, and I cannot tell you how wonderful it was to be in the hospital on my back, tubes going in my nose, tubes going all over me. Uh, but Jesus was it with it with me in such an incredibly special way. I've never had that before. It just I've always known Jesus was with me, but I felt such incredible peace. He was with me in a very special way that whole time. I had I had a, a follow-up surgery in June, I guess it was, and uh, I was in the hospital 13 days with all that going on. It was it was totally weakened, could barely stand after that. And, and people think COVID is bad. Uh, uh, it, was, it was the worst experience of my life, except it was the best experience of my life because Jesus was there. He was with me, and I had such incredible peace the whole time. The summer surgery, uh, June, to, you know, to fix me back up again, um, it, was, it was good, and Jesus was there. But somehow on Christmas Eve, 
I had incredible peace from Jesus. And the whole 13 days I was in the hospital. Persecuted or beaten down, but not forsaken. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hath he not said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, it says in Hebrews? Go ye therefore and preach all, go ye therefore and teach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. I, you know, sometimes people say, well, I just felt like God had abandoned me and God was testing me and I'm, and I'm right there and, and, and God is not there for me and he was testing me and walked away from me as if to test me. I don't buy that. He said, I am with thee. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So what? So we think we're having a tough time, so we think God is testing us, so we don't feel the presence of God, and you feel like he's walked away. Whose fault is that? It's not God's. He said, I'll be there for you. Okay? He's with you. He's not forsaken you, not left you behind, not deserted you. He's still with you no matter what happens. Watchman Nee in a Chinese prison for 20 years. And if, you have, if you've never read the biography of Watchman Nee uh, uh, by, uh, well, I had it on the tip of my tongue. Um, Watchman Nee, Angus Kinnear, I think, is the guy that wrote it. And uh, if you've never read that, such a blessing. Read, get, it, get a hold of it and read it over the over the Christmas break, would you, or, or even over the Thanksgiving break. What an encouragement. Now, he made some big mistakes, okay, but he was true to Jesus Christ till the end. Fourthly, um, it says, cast down, but not destroyed. Cast down, but not destroyed, okay? Um, so, you're thrown down, and uh, yet you're not destroyed. Christ has not allowed you to be destroyed. Whatever you go through will build you up better in, in Jesus Christ. Whatever distress, whatever problems, whatever pain you go through will build you up and make you a better servant of Jesus Christ if you will allow Jesus Christ to work in your heart. So the word cast down is katabalo, and there are two uh, Greek sports that this could have referred to. They, they had a, a style of wrestling that was called pale, and that's the word used in we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Okay, It's a noun, actually, and in the, in the English version makes it into a verb, but it's, it's a noun, pale. Our, our wrestling, our pale, is not against fresh, flesh and blood, it says in the Greek. And pale was kind of like um, when I was in high school, we learned a, a style of wrestling called catch-as-catch-can, and... Um, and uh, then it's sometimes it's called catch wrestling, sometimes it's called folk wrestling, American folk wrestling. One of the best, one of the best ever in that style of wrestling was Abraham Lincoln. Uh, only lost one time. Abraham Lincoln was an awesome wrestler. And he had to really do some wrestling with problems in the White House, didn't he? Okay. But I won't tell my own record. <laughs> I'll just say it wasn't a winning record. <laughs> But I, but I loved it. I, ha I had a great time. But Palais was kind of like that. Just, uh, you know, in, if you want Olympic-style wrestling, there are two styles of Olympic wrestling, Greco-Roman and, and freestyle. And Palais was more like freestyle. 
But in Greco-Roman, you could also throw someone down. So you're in a wrestling match, and you've been thrown down. Maybe you feel like you've been thrown down by Satan. Satan got me this time. He threw me down. I failed. I sinned. What am I going to do? You've been thrown down. The other one, the other style of, of, uh, uh, of Greek wrestling was called pankration. All right, and it was more. It was it was all out. It was almost anything goes. Not anything, but almost anything goes. It was kick and punch and throw him down and submission holds, and and you know do whatever you can to him. Just don't kill him. <laughs> but sometimes people did die. I've been thrown down really hard. It knocked the breath out of me. I you know I also took judo in in college and um, uh, I. Uh, well, I have to say, I, I'm the only one here who has been knocked out in four different sports. Okay. <laughs> None of you can make that claim, I'm pretty sure. I was knocked out in wrestling when a kid landed me on my head instead of my side. I was, I was knocked out in judo. I was choked out in judo, and I almost didn't tap out. I was, it was, everything was going black, and I finally tapped out. And you're supposed to do that, but before then. <laughs> 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 then, I, then I transferred colleges, and they didn't do karate there. They did kung fu, but I had done some karate, so I, I got my karate stance, and my, and my opponent did a, what's called a, a wheel kick and came around and, and hit me right here and shattered my wisdom tooth which is why I'm not so wise now, and uh, knocked me out, and, and um, he became my best friend. <laughs> I wrote my mother and said, I made a new friend. He knocked me out, and she wrote back and said, next time you knock him out, would you? <laughs> That's my mother. Uh, anyway, uh, but, uh, so I know what it's like to be knocked down, and, and then I was also knocked out in karate tournaments later in, as a kung fu fighter. Um, I don't recommend you follow my path as a fighter. <laughs> it was not, we, I won't tell you my record in, in karate tournaments either because it wasn't that good. But <laughs> in fact, I quit fighting in them because couldn't seem to win. But anyway, <laughs> knocked down, cast down, but not destroyed. Maybe, maybe knocked out and you're lying there and, and there's a circle of heads above you saying, uh, saying um, um, are you okay? Why do they always say that? Are you okay? Yeah, I just thought I'd take a nap in the middle of the match. <laughs> middle of the match. The referee wouldn't be being fair, so I just thought I'd lay down and protest, you know. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't all me getting hurt. It was occasionally, like uh, one time we did a, a, uh, a judo demonstration and, uh, in Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, my partner and I were throwing each other. He'd throw me, I'd throw him, he'd throw me, I'd throw him, and I got him about waist high, and I thought, this is cool, and I drove him down real hard to the mat and knocked his breath out, and I'm not, I'm not proud of that. That was not what I was supposed to do. But, um, he got up and said, okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been knocked down. You've lost your breath. You're lying there. Uh, you might have blood on your face, and you look up, and there's a circle of faces saying, are you all right? You've been knocked down, but you're not destroyed. Apollua, the Greek word apollua, destruction. You're not destroyed. You've been knocked down, but you're, not, you're okay. You can stand back up and fight for Jesus Christ. All right? So all of these things that the Apostle Paul went through, and he said, right, if you're in trouble, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Jesus is with us in persecution. We're cast down, thrown down as in a 
as in a wrestling match or a fighting match of some kind, knocked out but not destroyed. Okay, so what's the answer though? Look at verse 11, or verse, I'm sorry, verse 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. We die to self. How do you get through these problems? How did Paul get through these problems? He said, I died. He said, I died daily, actually, in, um, in 1 Corinthians 15. And let's look at 30 and 32, 30 through 32. 1 Corinthians 15, the great chapter on the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 30 through 32. And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? Paul's saying, I'm in danger every single hour. All the time I'm in danger. We go down to a suspicious area of Milwaukee and we think, I might be in danger. And we're down and we're there for an hour and we witness to someone and everything's okay and we come back uh, one hour. But he says, why stand we in jeopardy every hour? He was always in danger. Verse 31, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. So it's not just a one-time thing. I die to myself, I give everything to God, He calls me to be a missionary, evangelist, um, pastor's wife, whatever. Uh, that's great. No, it's every single day you have to die to self. I die daily. And, look, and what does He mean by that? Verse 32, if after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. I believe he actually really, he said if, he made it an if, but Paul would, he, he wouldn't raise himself up. He didn't say, look at me, I fought with beasts at Ephesus and God did a miracle and delivered me, or I was really tough and I killed the lion. <laughs> That's kind of doubtful, a little guy like Paul. But he didn't say that, he said if. Okay, maybe I did, maybe I'm not, I'm, I'm not telling you. I believe he actually did fight with beasts at Ephesus, and somehow God rescued him out of that, took him out of that. Don't know how. We'll ask him when we get to heaven. But he said, I die daily. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live for the sake of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. That was my father's life verse. He preached on it often. I love that verse. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm dead. If you're dead, you don't care what people do around you, right? If you're dead, you don't react to insults. That was a dumb thing to do. Why did he say that to me? That hurts. Oh, you're dead, you don't react to that, okay? If you are dead, you can't be hurt anymore. You can't be hurt if you're dead, right? If you're dead, uh, nothing bothers you. You're at peace. If, you, if you're a Christian, you went to heaven, you're at peace. If you're dead, there's a lot to this thing that Paul said, I die daily. He's not just saying, I sacrifice to Jesus. I, I gave everything to Jesus, so you know, every day I die. No, he's saying every day, once again, I'm dead. Nothing bothers me because I live for Jesus Christ. Read that uh, back in our passage again. 
verse uh, 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus. I died with him on Calvary. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Okay? So I preached on this one time in Japan, on, on dying daily in Japan at another brother's church. Uh, and um, I, I, uh, I was young and ignorant, and I'd never seen a Japanese funeral at that time. I wouldn't dare say this now, but this is what I said. I said, if you go to a funeral, now in a, in a Japanese funeral, the body, they do have the body there at the funeral, and then they cremate it. The whole family and, and all the people there, if they want to, go to the crematorium together. And uh, um, crematorium, that sounds like a Wisconsin term for a farm, but it's not, okay? <laughs> you go to the crematorium together, but the body is right there. So I said, if, there's a, if we're at a funeral and the body is lying there and I walk up to the body and slap it, what would it do? And I heard gasps from the audience, especially two young ladies that were there in a Christian church for the very first time. And they went, <coughs> they just couldn't comprehend what I was saying. Is slap a corpse? What is this guy saying? Okay. But that's true. Oh, by the, by the way, they, they never came back. <laughs> But the other missionary encouraged me. He said, oh, Brother John, don't, they didn't come back, but don't worry about it. You know, it's, it's all good. You preached a good message. And, and I thank God for him. Uh, uh, Dr. Paul may remember him. He was the really great big guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you remember him. <laughs> uh, and uh, anyway, uh, but you're dead. You don't react. Someone slaps you. You don't react. Slap. Well, I hope you have a good day. <laughs> Someone kicks you. Kick. Ah, my leg. Oh. Thank you. God bless you. Okay? You get persecuted, you're dead. It doesn't affect you. You know? You, you go out on, on sewing and someone slams the door. Get out of here, you idiot. I don't care about your Jesus. Slam. Well, praise the Lord. Doesn't affect you. You keep on rejoicing in Jesus. All right? Nothing should stop our walk with Jesus Christ. Nothing should hurt our walk with Jesus Christ, especially if we're already dead, if you're dead. Okay. Apparently, in recent years, I've never seen one. Uh, anyway, there's zombie movies out there of some kind, which is idiocy. <laughs> you know, If they're dead, they don't come back to life, right? Zombies don't exist. They die. And they're dead. And it's just sick entertainment that, that Hollywood makes these movies. All right? But we're dead. We're genuinely dead while we're alive. We're alive for Jesus Christ. Are you alive for Jesus Christ? Then you should die with Jesus Christ on the cross. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's not a nice little, you know, um, tie tack with a cross on it. It's not, not a nice pin. It's not a nice necklace with a cross on Okay, I'm going to take up my cross today. Which cross necklace should I wear? Well, that's not what it's about. I'm going to take up my cross. I've got that nice cross tie clasp. You guys don't wear tie clasps much. Do you? How many have a tie clasp on right now? Alex, of course. <laughs> None of you guys wear tie clasps. In my generation, we wore tie clasps, man. And I got this great one here. It's, it's, got, it's blue with behind it. It says Ichthus, and that's the, 
the symbol of the early church and stands for Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. And, and I think it's a pretty awesome tie, tie, tie clasp, but um, um, if it had a cross on it, it wouldn't matter. That's not what it means to take up your cross and follow Jesus. He wants you to take up your cross, consider yourself be dead. That's what a cross means. And that when Jesus said that, he had not yet died on the cross. He might have been thinking of Roman crosses that he had seen. A terrible, terrible punishment. Take up your cross, be willing and ready to die for me in the most painful and hideous manner possible. That's what Jesus meant when he said, take up your cross. In 564 BC, a Pankration wrestler fighter named Arachion had his last match. And a guy named Philostratus told about it, described it. Here's, here's how it happened. Accordingly, the antagonist of Arachion, having already clinched him around the middle, thought to kill him. You could kill in that, and you wouldn't, you know, that was a victory. Thought to kill him. Already he had wound his forearm around, around, about the other's throat to, ch to shut off the breathing while pressing his legs on the groins and winding his feet one inside each knee of his adversary. He forestalled Arachion's resistance by choking him till the sleep of death, thus induced, began to creep over his senses. But in relaxing the tension of his legs, he failed to forestall the scheme of Arachion. For the latter kicked back with the sole of his right foot, as a result of which his right side was imperiled, since now his knee was hanging unsupported. Then with his groin, he holds his adversary tight till he can no longer resist, and throwing his weight down toward the left while he locks the latter's foot tightly inside his own knee, by this violent thrust, he, he wrenches the ankle from its socket. And his opponent gave in, surrendered. Ankle dislocated. That is extremely painful. So his opponent gave up to a dead man. In making his last move, Arachion did not get the chokehold off, and he died, but he won. We are victors when we die to self in Jesus Christ. That's how you win as a Christian. You Consider yourself dead. I'm dead. Hallelujah. I'm alive in Jesus Christ. One more time, that verse 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, I die with him on the cross, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So the paradox is, as a Christian, I live by dying. And you, and you don't live as a Christian until you surrender all to Jesus Christ, until you consider yourself dead, until you ignore the persecution, until you ignore the depression, until you ignore the discouragement. You don't let it get to you. Why? Because you're alive in Jesus Christ. And I'll just close with this. Why would any of you Say, get discouraged, say, I don't want to serve Jesus. I'm going to go back home and be a carpenter or whatever. I, I can't do this. Why would you do that? You, you're, if Jesus calls you to the ministry, if Jesus calls you to Baptist College of Ministry, if Jesus calls you to serve him, you are partnering with the king of all the universe. 
the creator of everything. All power is given unto me, he said. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. You are partner, partnering, partnering with God. Co-workers with Jesus Christ, the Lord of all lords, King of all kings. Why would anyone throw that away? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Apostle Paul. My, he went such, through such terrible things. We can't even imagine what it was like for him, the, the pain he suffered, the insults, the degradation, to finally be a prisoner of the Romans, have his head cut off. It's just hard for us to imagine that. Watchman knee 20 years in a Chinese prison, a communist prison, and then finally dying in prison of his weaknesses. But yet we complain a little bit if, if it's a tough day. Oh, Lord, please give us your power to live in Jesus Christ. And I pray that each one of us, me too, Lord, I have to do it today too, we would die to self and live with the life of Jesus Christ. 